Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد Inshallah, today we'll continue our Sira session from where we left off. Um, last session, uh, we stopped where we talked about the Islam of uh, Umar al-Khattab radiallahu an, and then followed, and, and Hamza radiallahu an. And besides uh, that, we also talked about there were various attempts uh, of uh, killing Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa occurred and the tortures of the Sahaba continued on uh, and prior to that there were two uh, two migrations to Habasha happened uh, as well. Um, from there on we see that uh, uh, the, the harshness of the, the Quraysh towards Rasulullah and, uh, and the Sahaba who came to the fold of Islam did not stop. And uh, Abu Talib, he, uh, he saw that animosity uh, towards Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So uh, he, uh, he gathered all the people from Bani Hashim and, uh, and Banu Abdul Muttalib. And uh, he gathered them and he took the promise from them that they would continue to protect Rasulullah Sallallahu Muslims or non-Muslims from the, those two uh, tribes. And uh, everybody agreed except Abu Lahab. And uh, when, uh, when this, all these things were happening, uh, after that, uh, the Quraysh actually, they gathered. And uh, they, they, they gathered to have, uh, basically they wanted to stop Rasulullah somehow. So uh, they gathered in, uh, uh, in one of the places which is called uh, Wadi al-Muhassab. Uh, and uh, over there, uh, they wanted to make a, a treaty or a pact among the Quraysh that they will boycott Rasulullah Sallallahu and actually not only him, but rather anybody who's protecting him. So that included uh, Banu Hashim and Banu Abdul Muttalib, both of them. The, uh, all those people under the, these two uh, tribes. And uh, <coughs> they made this pact. Uh, against uh, Banu Hashim Banu, uh, Banu Abdul Muttalib except one person which was Abu Lahab so Abu Lahab was not under uh, this pact rather he was alongside with the Quraysh and uh, about the place where uh, this happened Rasulullah Sallallahu later on in one of the hadiths when uh, Muslims actually uh, opened Mecca also in the, later in the time uh, and Rasulullah was coming for Hajj and when he came for Hajj uh, at that time, he actually mentioned about this because this is a place 
uh, he mentioned one of the hadith Rasul said uh, that uh, uh, first he asked meaning did Aqil leave anything any place where we can stay and uh, it was told uh, uh, then so this uh, uh, the place which, which was this is the name of the wadi over there and the Sosam said go down meaning here they are the one who took the oath that they will not do any kind of buying and selling with uh, Bani Hashim. So Rasulullah was actually pointing out the place later on where exactly this pact was taken care of, uh, the boycott against the Muslims. And actually, as I said, it's not only Muslims because it was the whole Bani, Bani Hashim and Bani Abdul Muttalib. So uh, it was imp- the, even the even the non-Muslims uh, were also impacted by that if they were belong to those families. Now, what included in these uh, in the pact or the boycott? They included that they will not do any kind of a business dealings with them. That's one thing, and no inter no, no sort of a marriage or something that happened between them. Uh, no social relations with them. Uh, you cannot visit them. There is no uh, even verbal con- uh, context with Rasulullah and his supporters would discontinue until Rasulullah was given up to them to be killed. So that was a pact that either you will put all these sanctions or the boycotts on you, or you give, give, give it up and give Rasulullah to the Quraysh and they will kill Rasulullah. So that was the, uh, the boycott. And when Abu Talib uh, found out about this, so what he did was he took he withdrew, he uh, he took Banu Hashim and Banu Abdul Muttalib away from Mecca, and there's a valley which is called uh, Shaib Abi Talib. So they, all these people they moved down there during this time of sanctions and boycott. While they were there, now it was becoming very difficult for the Muslims and Rasulullah and, and the family and the people over there because this boycott resulted in shortage of food for them. There was no supply of food was coming into them. Uh, all, the food was almost stopped. Um, the reason I'm saying almost stopped but because there was some means they were able to get some food at, at certain times and uh, through certain people. And uh, the people in the confinement, they were uh, going through a lot of hardships. Uh, number three thing was the, the mushrikeen actually, what they were doing was whenever some caravan or something came from outside of Mecca, they used to buy most of the stuff. So the Muslims did not have the access to the things which are coming from outside of Mecca as well. So there was a very small amount uh, they were getting. And they, they got to the point that they ended up eating leaves and even the skin of the animal to survive. That was more for survival at this point. And uh, you could hear the cries of the children uh, from the valley coming out uh, uh, because of the hunger and the hardship that they're going through. So uh, there used to be nothing used to reach them except 
there was some small amount of food that used to be smuggled actually by some of the compassionate people still who were in Mecca. So don't forget one part of it that when we talked about the tribal system that existed, so Banu Hashim and Abdul, Abdul, Abdul Muttalib is one, but they were still all part of the Quraysh. They were part of the Quraysh and they were still intermarriages that happened. So normally you can see that the family is going, you take thinking of a family from the men's side, you consider that as your family. But there were still their relationships through aunts or, uh, uh, or your khala or something you are, who's married to somebody else. Uh, so they, they were other relationships existed. And, and at the end of the day, if you look at the whole uh, tree of the lineage, you will find that they're all connected back to the pretty much similar people. They were all uh, family members. But within the branches were Banu Hashim and Banu Abdul Muttalib. Uh, so uh, that's w- w- uh, besides that, they were still uh, they were uh, during the time of the sacred months. Even though they were kuffar, they still observed the sacred months. Months those, those three months: the Dhul Hajj, and Muharram and Rajab. So these are the four months that they were considered as uh, the sacred months. They used to not fight with each other uh, those times, and also they. Uh, gave some concessions to the Muslims. So this is the time they were able to come out and get some of the, the food. But again, this is only for four months we're talking about, out of the 12 months. And this whole boycott and sanctions continued on for three years. It started off in the seventh year of the Nabuwa of the Prophethood, and it ended in the 10th year. So for three years, they went through all these difficult times. Now, there were times, like for example, one of the the guys from Quraysh, Hakim bin Hizam. So he was trying to once, uh, he, was a, uh, he was a nephew of Khadija, radiallahu anha. And he was trying to smuggle some food to them. And Abu Jahl saw him. So he was trying to stop. So there was another guy, uh, his name was uh, 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 Al-Baghtari. So when he saw that, he intervened and he, he allowed the food to make, make it to, uh, to the Muslims there. Now, besides that, even though they were going through the sanctions and the boycott, uh, Abu Talib was very concerned about Rasulullah During the time when he was there, what he used to do with Rasulullah was, when they were going to go to sleep, he used to swap the place. Rasulullah used to sleep at Abu Talib's place, and Abu Talib would go to Rasulullah's place. So they would swap the places. And then when everybody... Would go, into, would go into sleep, then he would take Rasulullah to somewhere else, completely different place. So that, these were the tactics. Even Abu Talib, even though he was not a Muslim, he was very concerned about his nephew, and he was looking for protection, that he did not want any kind of assassination attempt or something would happen to Rasulullah while they are asleep. So he was taking all sorts of measures to protect Rasulullah But... At the end, after like uh, three years passed by, uh, some of the people from the, uh, the Quraysh, which were somehow related to Rasulullah but they were not part of directly from Banu Hashim and Banu Abdul Muttalib, and uh, the, the guy named uh, Hisham bin Amr, and of course this is not the Hisham bin Amr, which was Abu Jahl, it's a different Hisham bin, uh, bin Amr. His name was Hisham bin Amr, he was from Amr bin Luwayy. Uh, tribe. So uh, he was not the uh, Abu Jahl, the uncle of uh, Umar al-Khattab. 
so once he is the one who used to actually smuggle some food for Rasulullah Sallam and the people in the in the valley. Um, so he went to uh, Zuhair bin Abi Umayyah al-Makhzumi. He went to him and he said, uh, basically he said, how can we, how, how can you tolerate this? That we eat well, we are doing all the goods, for, we're getting all the goods from the, this dunya, while our relatives are in the valley and they do not, do not have enough to eat and they have scarcity of food, the kids are crying. So he starts explaining to him, how can we live like this? We are part, part of our family. So the response of Zuhair bin Umayyah was, I'm only one, what can I do? So he's trying to show his, uh, uh, that he's weak of his own. So he said, okay, we have to look for uh, another one. So he said, we are two now, we have to look for a third one. Now, they went to uh, Al-Muta'am bin Adi. And he is one of those guys, and he actually became Muslim also later on. Uh, he played a huge role later on to protect Rasulullah when he was coming back from Taif, uh, as we will discuss when the issue of Taif will come later on. So Ali bin Hatim they went to, and Ali bin Hatim said the same thing, uh, you, uh, because the one who reached him out was Hisham bin Amr. So he said, uh, he said to himself, I'm only one, what can I do? Ali bin Hatim said, uh, oh, sorry, Mut'am bin Adi. So, uh, so the Hisham said, okay, I'm with you also. So we are two now. He said, but we are still only two. We need a third one. So he said, Zuhair, he said, I'm with you also. No, we are three. But they said, we are three. So he said, no, we have to get another one. We have to have the fourth one. Then we went uh, to Abu al-Bakhtari, the one we talked about before, who helped out for the food also. So when we went to Abu al-Bakhtari, similar question answer back and forth happened. And uh, al-Bakhtari goes like, we have to have the first person. We are not enough. And then they went to Zama' bin al-Aswad. So Zama' bin al-Aswad, he agreed on that as well. Now, they made a deal. Oh, by the way, just to uh, let you know, the pact that was written between the Quraysh, because I forgot to mention that, that was hung in, in the Kaaba. That, uh, the, the boycott pact that they made, they hung it on the, in the Kaaba. So now, when they, uh, uh, they, they made a plan, and uh, basically, uh, Zuhair, he said, just but follow my cue, what I do there. So he went to Kaaba, he did the tawaf, and he was wearing a nice clothes, uh, and he gathered the, the Quraysh. People used to gather over there. He, he, he went to them, and uh, he started saying that, uh, uh, how can we, if, how can we get all the amenities of life and we are living such a life while our family members are struggling in the valley? So he, he pretty much uh, started rebuking that the lifestyle we're living and they were saying that, uh, that their kids and kins of Bani Hashim were perishing on account of starvation and economic boycott. So they swore that they would never relent until uh, this parchment of the boycott is torn apart. So he said, we have to get rid of this boycott that we had agreed upon. Abu Jal, the moment he saw that, he got up, he said, no, nobody can do this. He, he stopped, he prevented that. We, you cannot take away this boycott. So when he did this, so Zama' bin al-Aswad, uh, bin al-Muttalib bin Asad, he got up. So it's like a setup they did, in a way. So when uh, Zuhair started, and Abu Jal tried to intervene and stop, 
So now from the other side, Zamas uh, got up and he started saying that uh, he was infuriated and accused Abu Jahl of telling lies. He said, you are a liar. You made this boycott and we did not all agree upon this. Where did this come from? So when he said this, then third person Al-Bakhtari got up and he also intervened and he started backing these two up. So there's a gathering, but among the gathering, one, two, three, and then the fourth one, which was uh, uh, Hisham bin Amr, uh, Amr, he got up and, uh, and uh, Al-Mat'am bin Adi. So all of them, one by one, start getting up, start supporting that this boycott is oppressive. It is something that is hurting their own family members and they are perishing in that valley. So when all this happened, Abu Talib actually was sitting in one of the corners and he was watching all this. When he saw this, he got up and he came to them and he said that, uh, that Rasulullah his nephew, actually he has got a revelation from in the Wahi. And it was told to him that the parchment of this boycott has been eaten by the white ants or termites. And everything has been which was about the oppression and boycott and all those things have been eaten except the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because even the kuffar, they used to say Bismillah for the things. Uh, so, so the ism of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they used to take. Uh, so, when, uh, uh, when, when uh, Abu Talib said this, and he said, this is what he said, and he said, you know what? Let's go and check this parchment. If it is eaten, then we have to, uh, we have to get rid of this uh, boycott. And if it's not, he said, if he is lying, Rasulullah then I will give up on him. Okay? Now see, this is an interesting part that even though he was not a Muslim, he had full trust in Rasulullah He was not defending him for no reason. Yes, there was a tribal issues and all those things were there. But he had the trust in Rasulullah that he is not a liar. What he's saying, and even we'll see that later on, he was almost there to become a Muslim even on his deathbed as well. But at the end, he went along with, uh, with the Quraysh. But uh, anyways, so they, they say, okay, let's, that, that's, that's fair, what you're saying. If that's the case, then uh, we will get rid of this boycott. So they went and they checked the, uh, uh, to, to check the boycott and they saw that everything was eaten, eaten by the termites, except what is left was the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, so they, uh, they said, okay, so they, were, they, they, they accepted to abrogate the boycott or the pact that they created uh, against Bani Hashim and Bani Abdul Muttalib. But the interesting part is, and this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about in Surah Al-Qamal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That uh, uh, the, But they see a sign. They turn away and say this is a continuous mustamir, mustamir, and this is a continuous magic. They looked at it as a magic. They because they want to reject it. Otherwise, it's a huge sign for them. Rasulullah did not have the access to that, and he's telling them. And uh, Abu Talib is even mentioning that it has been eaten by the termite because, and he said he said that Rasulullah was told through the wahi about this information. And when they went and checked. They saw that, but they still did not believe in Muhammad as a messenger because they just wanted to reject it, so they came up with excuses like this. That this is just a continuous uh, uh, magic. Now, since this boycott was ended, 
Now, Kufar uh, uh, of the Mecca, they, uh, they wanted to have a final kind of a diplomacy or negotia- negotiation with Abu Talib and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Uh, one thing is when Abu Talib came back out of this uh, uh, this uh, boycott, his health actually started deteriorating. And he was already uh, a person who was in his age. So he was 80 plus years old and his health started to deteriorate. Uh, obviously three years in, in the valley in a har- harsh conditions as well uh, on top of it, the age itself. So uh, they, they thought, the Quraysh thought of it, that Abu Talib is getting old and let's try one more time to make an agreement. Some sort of uh, uh, agreement meaning here to uh, stop Rasulullah وسلم, to do what, to, to, from doing what he's doing at this point. Okay? So they went to uh, Abu Talib and uh, that delegation had about 25 people and out of those 25 people they were the, uh, the big leaders of the Quraysh were included then, uh, then included Udba bin Rabi'ah, Shaybah bin Rabi'ah, Abu Jahl himself, Umayyah bin Khalf, Abu Sufyan, and, and on and on. So these, are, these were the big leaders of the Quraysh at that time. They came and they wanted to negotiate. And the negotiation was about what? Negotiation was that, now this sounds, the way today the life we are in, you feel like, oh, this is something perfect for us to, to have. The, the, the basis of what they were saying, that... Their argument, they, they said that as long as Rasulullah abstained from saying anything about their religion, they will not interfere with Rasulullah. They will not do anything with him. They have nothing to do with whatever religion he's, uh, he is coming up with, as long as he refrained from saying anything about their religion. Okay? Now, today uh, we probably thought, think of it as. Oh, this is the best way to live in, right? This is coexistence. The definition of coexistence has been defined for us. Uh, and uh, I talked about this uh, in, uh, in previous talk as well, that when it comes to coexistence, in reality, Islam is the only religion that really teaches us how to coexist. And we can still see that. The Muslims, where they ruled for centuries, including... Bilad uh, al that include each, uh, sorry, Palestine, current Palestine, Lebanon, uh, Syria, uh, Jordan, and part of Iraq even, uh, and some part of, uh, of Turkey as well. All these countries were used to be part of Bilad al-Sham or uh, the Sham that we call. Now, you will find them, the Christians still exist over there. You'll find them, Jews still exist there. For centuries, they lived for centuries. It's not, I'm not talking about that they were kicked out and they came back or something. No, no, no. They live there. Their places of worship, they are still there, which are thousands of years old. That's a separate story that if a church was converted into a masjid because now the people, they became Muslim themselves and they converted. Even today, for example, in our land, we find many of the churches are, are on sale and Muslims go and buy them and convert them to a masjid. It does not mean that people are forcing those churches to t- turn into a masjid. Right? So, uh, don't think of those, uh, uh, some of those churches that turn into masjid. In general, you find that Muslims are the one, not only they allowed them to worship their, uh, the way they were worshipping, but actually they protected their 
uh, uh, whether they were synagogues or they were churches, Muslims protected them actually. Uh, and they protected the, the non-Muslims as well in their lands when they were under the rule of Islam. Uh, and at the end, inshallah, I will try to summarize with some of the things which are happening in current times as well. That how uh, unfortunate times we are in and people are trying to suppress uh, the religion. But here, when they were trying to say things like, uh, okay, you do not intervene our religion and we do not intervene yours. In reality, the problem with that is, that is you are killing the purpose of Rasulullah coming to this world. Because the main purpose of him coming to this world was to bring in the people to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, you give the message to them, after that it's up to them to accept or reject. That ikhtiyar or the choice is up to the people. But the work that needs to be done, whether it was by Rasulullah at that time, and now that work of conveying the message of Islam to others is upon the shoulders of all the Muslims. That we have to carry the Islam to the rest of the world as well. So that has to continue on. So when they came and Abu Talib uh, went to Rasulullah wasallam, and uh, he wanted to talk to them about all these so-called celebrities who came to Rasulullah to Abu Talib and they wanted to uh, make this kind of a negotiation or a deal with Rasulullah So when he came to him, Rasulullah said that uh, First, Abu Talib asked, uh, 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 O my son of my brother, what do you want from these people? Rasulullah said, That I just want them, one, one word from them, one word. Uh, he said, that uh, I only want one, one word from them, for which if they were to say, then the Arabs will become their followers, okay? And the non-Arab will pay jizya to them. They will be paying taxes to them. That's just, all you have to say is one word. So, uh, so uh, yes, one word. This, he said, only one word they have to say. And he said, what is the word basically? And he said, Ya ammukulu la ilaha illallah. Oh my oh uncle, say, they should say, La ilaha illallah. That's all they have to say. And they will be ruling the Arabs and the Ajam both. That's all they have to do. And uh, obviously, they, they rejected that. As a matter of fact, when Abu Jahl heard of this, he said, he said, one word we will do, we will say ten words. And when Rasulullah said, La ilaha illallah, upon that, uh, they, their response was like this. Ilahan wahida, you're talking about only one God? How can you come? Uh, we, work, we worship so many God, you put them into one God only? That, that's not acceptable. That, oh, we never heard of something like this. This is nothing but a bid'ah. Or a ikhtilaq is like a, something, some, you, you have innovated something. We cannot uh, do something like this. So upon which قَالَ فَنَزَلَ فِيهِمُ الْقُرَانِ صَعَدْ وَالْقُرَانِ دِذْذِكَرْ Then the surah, the, the, uh, surah, the, the surah was revealed, Sa'ad, and the, the first seven ayah that talks about basically the meaning of uh, <coughs> those ayat is by the Qur'an containing Sa'ad وَالْقُرَانِ دِذْذِكَرْ 
And the disbelievers say, this is a magician and a liar. Has he made the gods only one god? Indeed, this is a curious thing. And the eminent among them went forth saying, continue and be patient over the defense of your gods. Indeed, this is a thing intended. If we have not heard of this in the latest uh, in the religion, this is not but a fabrication. So this is how they try to negotiate with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam rejected this negotiation because uh, they were asking him to basically give up the message or the uh, the work that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has appointed him for. Now, <clears throat> after this, uh, as I mentioned, uh, there are different reports about uh, the illness of uh, Abu Talib. His, his, uh, his health continued to deteriorate, and some of the reports said that he died or he passed away in Rajab of the 10th year of the prophethood, and others said that he, he passed away in the month of Ramadan. Either way, uh, he, uh, he passed away in this year. And uh, <clears throat> when he was sick, uh, one of the reports that, which is mentioned in Sahih Bukhari, and that talks about when he was sick and uh, Abu Jahl uh, was there. And uh, uh, the hadith says uh, that when Abu Talib was in deathbed, Rasulullah went to him while Abu, Lah- Abu Jahl was sitting beside him. So Rasulullah said to his uncle, Ayyam, Qul la ilaha illallah kalimatan uhaju laka biha indallah. That, uh, oh my uncle, say la ilaha illallah, and on the day of judgment, there will be a hujjah uh, uh, in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I will have a, uh, I, I will be basically uh, using this as a hujjah in front of Allah azza wa jal. But faqala Abu Jahl, Abu Jahl, who was uh, there as well, and besides him, Abdullah bin Ubay uh, uh, bin, uh, bin Abi Umayyah, he said, Ya Abu Talib, Tarhabu Amilati Abdul Mustalib, Palam Yazala, Yukaliman, Hatta called Akhra Shay, Kalamahum Behi, Allah Milati Abdul Mustalib. So they basically pushed him to say that, uh, uh, so they kept on saying this to him so that the last statement, because Abu Jahan and uh, Abdullah bin Umayyah said, Oh Abu Talib, Will you leave the religion of Abdul Muttalib? So they kept on saying this to him, so that the last statement he said to them before he died was, I am on the religion of Abdul Muttalib. Talking about Abu Talib. Before he died, he said that he is on the religion of Abdul Muttalib. Now, Rasulullah said to the, uh, after they said, that he said, I will continue to ask for forgiveness for you, okay? Uh, and 
I will keep asking for Allah to forgive for you unless I am forbidden to do so. Unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says not to do that. And actually, the ayat they were revealed in Surah Tawbah. When they were revealed, Rasulullah sallallahu stopped that. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, That Allah says, It is not for a prophet, for the prophet and those who have believed to ask for forgiveness for the polytheists, mushrikeen, if they were relatives even. They are your relatives and they die on kufr. Okay? After it has been become clear to them that they are companions of the hellfire. What it means by that is, if, if we are aware of somebody who has died on any other religion but Islam, the person who is dead, see, remember what I'm talking about very clearly. I'm not talking about the person who is alive. Of course, a person who is alive will make dua for him to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him the hidayah. A person who has died on kufr, for them, it is not allowed for the Muslims to make dua after that. And this is what about uh, Abdul Muttalib was. And that doesn't mean that we are saying that Abu Talib did not support Rasulullah and he did not do uh, uh, whatever he could have done within his capacity at that time. Uh, he did to uh, help out Rasulullah Of course, uh, he has helped Rasulullah uh, in many many occasions and not only that when he was born he raised him up uh, until he turned uh, he got married to Khadija and turned 40 and even after he became a prophet and uh, while Rasulullah was 50 years old and he passed away at that time until then he was one of the uh, uh, cornerstone uh, from the human perspective who was protecting Rasulullah uh, so in uh, Abbas in one of the hadith actually he came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he said, Ya Rasulullah, Hal nafata, hal nafata, Aba Talib, Bishay? Have you, uh, give any, have you can, did you benefit anything to Abu Talib? Because he helped him, so and, uh, Abbas is another uncle of Rasulullah sallallahu meaning the brother of Abu Talib. He comes and he asks, that, uh, did, he, uh, did you give him any benefit to Abu Talib? And he, he did all this. What did you basically benefit him? فَإِنَّهُ كَانَ يَحُوتُكَ وَيَغْضَبْ That uh, he said, so uh, he take care of you and used to be, become angry for you. Because Abu Talib was the one who was getting angry for Rasulullah and protecting him. Rasulullah said, نعم. هو في دحدح منا. دحدح. He said that, uh, uh, yes, he is in the shallow place of the fire. Okay. And for, but for me, he would have been in the lowest part of the fire. If right now is in the shallowest part, if it's not me, he will be in the lowest level of the hellfire. So whatever he did, but he is still because he did not become a Muslim. See, iman is a very important thing. You have to have iman. You cannot. Just do good deeds without the Iman to expect that you will enter into Jannah. So Iman is a key thing. But it's not only Iman. Imam and Salihat, both of them have to be there. And the good deeds have to be there as well. Okay? Now, there are other hadith 
uh, talks similarly about Abu Talib that says, for example, one of them says, my inter- intercession may help him on the day of resurrection and he may be placed in the shallow part of the fire which would reach his ankles. The hadith says uh, that nar yabluhu ka'abayhi yaghli minhu dimahu that it will reach only up to the ankles but that will boil his dimahu, his, uh, his, uh, his brains. Okay. So that was about Abu Talib, and when he, then he passed away. Now after that, <coughs> uh, the reports talk about one of the reports. If obviously if it was in month of Ramadan, a few days after, the beloved wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, who was alongside of Rasulullah sallallahu since he got married at the age of twenty-five, became a prophet, and throughout the time when she was with Rasulullah sallallahu she continued to help Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in both physical and, uh, uh, and, and in a mental manner uh, way also and uh, she is the one also who passed away few days according to one of the reports after after uh, Abu Talib and if he was he died in Rajab then few months after the death of Abu Talib but it was the same year this is why this year when Abu Talib and Khadija passed away this year is also called Amul Huzn because this is considered as year of the grief Rasulullah came across a very difficult time a time of sadness and the grief for him because he lost two big supporters of Rasulullah during the whole time about about Khadija uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam has mentioned uh, many good things. One of them uh, is uh, he, he said that she believed in me when none, nobody from the people believed in Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Okay, she embraced Islam when people disbelieved in me, and she helped and comforted me in her person and wealth. When there was none else to lend me a helping hand, I had children from her only. Of course, this when he was said, he was only, she was the only one who bore children to Rasulullah And as we know, there was one more uh, son Rasulullah had besides Khadija later on, which was uh, uh, through, uh, uh, his name was uh, Ibrahim. 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 Ibrahim through Jabariya. Uh, so, uh, Maria, Maria, Maria Kaptea. Yeah. So, uh, she, she, he had one more child. Uh, but uh, Rasulullah sallallahu was talking about Khadija uh, like this. And, and another hadith Rasulullah sallallahu mentioned about even how uh, uh, when Jibreel came to Rasulullah sallallahu and uh, said, Allah Messenger, Lo, Khadija is coming to you with a vessel of seasoned food or drink. When she comes to you, offer her greetings from her Lord. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the salam to Khadija radiallahu anha through Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this is the greatness of Khadija radiallahu anha uh, that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa has mentioned. And then goes on, from, from the Lord, the exalted and glorious, and on my behalf, give her glad tidings of the palace of jewels in the paradise, wherein there is no noise and no toil. Um, uh, so uh, this hadith is mentioned by uh, in Sahih al-Bukhari about the uh, uh, greatness of Khadija radiallahu anha. Now, these are the two, uh, uh, if you want to call it setbacks, 
that happened uh, in the life of Rasulullah in the 10th year of, uh, of the Nabuwa. Uh, and uh, after this, uh, the amount of hardships that started happening on Rasulullah and Sahaba, it multiplied in multiple folds. It did not, the Kuffar, the Quraysh, the, the, the Quraysh, they did not stop. They actually increased their uh, atrocities against the Muslims uh, more and more. Now, uh, the, the, the three things basically we talked about today, and I want to just uh, sum it up with some relevance to today's time, inshallah. Uh, the, those three things, the things are, one is the boycott and the sanctions that happened against the Muslims. Uh, second thing was the negotiation, the final negotiation attempt that was done to the Muslim, uh, towards Rasulullah Sallam. And the third was the Amul Huzn, uh, the time, uh, the year of the grief when Rasulullah Sallam lost the uh, lost Abu Talib and uh, Khadija Anha's support in this dunya. Uh, the things to understand is one is it's very evident throughout some, so whatever we have covered in our seerah. No matter which situation Rasulullah was in, we don't find him making any compromise to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever message was given to Rasulullah, he conveyed it as is and he implemented it as is. He did not give in or give up any part of Islam to please anybody but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the only purpose of him was to gain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what you find throughout so far. And inshallah, when we continue on, we'll see the very same pattern that does not change. And the similar with the, with the lives of Sahaba as well. And even in the dire situations, uh, when the harshest situation, things were happening, opposition by the opposition, by insults, false accusations, propaganda, physical and mental torture, sanctions, boycotts, even tried to kill Rasulullah and Sahaba, you don't find that uh, he stopped. And not only that, that he did not going compromise, but also he continued his da'wah. One point I think I forgot to mention, during the boycott also, Rasulullah did not stop his da'wah. He used to still go to Kaaba, pray there, and if he can meet somebody, he would do the da'wah there. And if somebody is coming from outside the Mecca, he would still carry the da'wah to them during the, t- the time of the Hajj season, during the time of... Uh, uh, those sacred months when it was, uh, the things were easing up. He continued the da'wah. He did not stop just because they were trying to stop him. He continued his work. That's uh, very uh, clear from his uh, action. Now, we are, if you think about it, we are not no different situation now even as Muslims. Look what's happened in Rohingya. Or the Muslims in East Turkestan with the Uyghur Muslims or the Muslims in Kashmir, or the Muslims in India at large today, by CAA uh, <coughs> Citizen uh, Amendment uh, article, or which has turned into, or so the CAB that turned into CAA uh, Citizen <coughs> Amendment Bill, Bill turned into an article now because it's accepted, uh, and then, or NRC, or in Kashmir 370 or 35A, all those things are no different if you think about it. Not that, that this is what something we're looking for as Muslims. For, uh, neither for us as Muslims, nor for non-Muslims. As a Muslim, we, don't, we are not the one who are causing oppression in the world. But we are on the receiving end of the oppression today. Especially. All, the whole world is oppressed, but especially the target has become the Muslims. 
Now, those, those sanctions and boycotts or detentions that are happening, you can see the similarities that happened in the time of Rasulullah when they were secluded in the valley for three years. Okay? Um, and uh, the point to understand is, uh, and then the, the, sorry, and then next part was about negotiations were tried to make. And we can see the very similar things are being done to us. The Muslims have been approached to negotiate Islam, compromise on Islam, give up some part of Islam from the Quran and the Sunnah, and don't talk about that part of Islam. Because if you talk about that, people may, may not like you. Uh, let's agree on that. You can keep your Islam to yourself in your masjid inside your houses. And we'll keep ours in our houses and our uh, temples or our churches. But we, will, we agree on all upon that we rule by the man-made laws. So n- not much difference. And uh, uh, same way, uh, like you and I, we go through hardships, difficulties, loss of wealth or health or a beloved one. Rasulullah went through similar things. Whether it was a divorce of his own daughters by the sons of Abu Lahab or by uh, losing uh, uh, main support people like Khadija and Abu Talib at, at one point of his life or losing uh, 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 some of Sahaba like Ali Yasser or uh, uh, the kinds of assassination attempts were happening or tortures that they're going through. So we can see that similar things are happening today as well. So it's not much. So there's one commonality. That's why it is all look same to us today. The commonality is in that time of Makkah, we find Islam was not in action, not in implementation phase. Islam was not implemented because Islam wasn't there. We see all those things were happening. And today, as a Muslim, we are in the same time period of Islam is not implemented. Islam has become part of the books or some individuals are carrying, but it's not in implementation phase. So we are going through similar things. This is why it's, again, a very uh, 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 timely reminder for us to remember the Makkan life is very important for us to learn from. So we should know how to work as Rasulullah worked so the deen of Allah was implemented on the face of the earth. So we'll stop here inshallah and we'll continue from there on how the life of Rasulullah went on from there. And then or NRC or in Kashmir 370 or 35A all those things are no different if you think about it. Not that, that this is what something we're looking for as Muslims. For, uh, neither for us as Muslims, nor for non-Muslims. As a Muslim, we, don't, we are not the one who are causing oppression in the world. But we are on the receiving end of the oppression today. Especially. All, the whole world is oppressed, but especially the target has become the Muslims. Now, those, those sanctions and boycotts or detentions that are happening... You can see the similarities that happened in the time of Rasulullah when they were secluded in the valley for three years. Okay? Um, and uh, the point to understand is, and the, the, then, sorry, and then next part was about negotiations were tried to make. And we can see the very similar things are being done to us. The Muslims have been approached to negotiate Islam, compromise on Islam, give up some part of Islam from the Quran and the Sunnah, and don't talk about that part of Islam. Because if you talk about that, people may, may not like you. Uh, let's agree on that. You can keep your Islam to yourself in your masjid inside your houses. And we'll keep ours in our houses and our uh, temples or our churches. But we, will, we agree on all upon that we rule by 
the man-made laws. So not much difference. And uh, uh, same way, uh, like you and I, we go through hardships, difficulties, loss of wealth or health or a beloved one. Rasulullah went through similar things. Whether it was a divorce of his own daughters by the sons of Abu Lahab or by uh, losing uh, uh, main support people like Khadija and Abu Talib at, at one point of his life or losing uh, uh, um, some Sahaba like Ali Yasser or uh, uh, the kinds of assassination attempts were happening or tortures that they're going through. So we can see that similar things are happening today as well. So it's not much. So there's one commonality. That's why it is all look same to us today. The commonality is in that time of Makkah, we find Islam was not in action, not in implementation phase. Islam was not implemented because Islam wasn't there. We see all those things were happening. And today, as a Muslim, we are in the same time period of Islam is not implemented. Islam has become part of the books or some individuals are carrying, but it's not in implementation phase. So we are going through similar things. This is why it's again a very uh, uh, timely reminder for us to remember the Makkah life is very important for us to learn from. So we should know how to work as Rasulullah worked so the deen of Allah was implemented on the face of the earth. So we'll stop here inshallah and we'll continue from there on how the life of Rasulullah went on from there. So the deen of Allah was implemented on the face of the earth. So we'll stop here inshallah and we'll continue from there on how the life of Rasulullah went on from there. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran Tafsir and Sira are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.